podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time, not Vader time, but pop culture time. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate fit. I am joining Jeremy Phoenix. That's right, your boy. I'm here as well. You can find us on Twitter at Raspy Voice Kids. You can find me at I also hate pit. Where can they find you, Jay? Jay and Fiend. Check Twitter. Check Facebook. Check Instagram. The Raspiest. Wherever you want to be, that's where I am. And today we're talking about engagement rings. What happens when an engagement breaks down? Where does the ring go? Jeremy, do you have an opinion on this? I have feelings, man. I have feelings. I know that you're going to spit the statistics and what the law actually says. I feel like you have that lined up. I haven't talked to you about it. I feel like you have that lined up what the law actually says about the engagement ring. But I'll tell you personally, the way I feel is it depends on who breaks the relationship. If you are actually married and you, you know, obviously she has the ring. I honestly feel like it depends on who decides to break out and why. If it's just you found somebody else, you want to start, you know, a different life. Maybe you're more compatible. Give the ring back because that ring represents us. That ring represents what we said we would vow to do forever. So if you're the one who breaks it, you should let the other person have it. That's the way I personally feel. Maybe that's not legally. I I know for sure that's not legally right. But for me, that just makes sense. You're the one who wants to go outside that ring. You're the one who wants to start a ring with somebody else. Give me the ring back. Give me the ring back. Or I'll give you the ring back. (laughs) Well, it depends on where you live. The laws are different. But in many locales, an engagement ring is considered to be an implied conditional gift. And the person who proposed, most often the man, breaks the engagement. Uh, He will not get the ring back unless the fiancé forsakes the ring. If she breaks the engagement instead, he can request its return. That's right. So that's that's why I – go ahead. Now, that's the law in a lot of places. Me personally, if I break the engagement, unless I have good reason, like unless she cheated, then I give up on the ring. You know what? You know what I like? I, I, I read this definition. I Googled it. And it says if one person gives the ring in contemplation of marriage, if the marriage doesn't occur, the condition hasn't been met. So I feel like if you don't get married, it's a engagement ring. The, the person who purchased the ring always gets it back because it hasn't been met. Yeah, we didn't I get agree. married. I actually agree with that. The more I think about it, the more I agree with that. Unless now to me. Cheating and heartbreak changes the game a lot. Uh, it does. It does. But what this went on to say is a wedding reverses the scenario. After a bride has met the conditions, the ring is, is her separate property and its value is not divisible in a divorce. That's what it says. I get that. The condition has been met. But if you break, if you break what the ring represents, like you said, 
Whoever breaks it, the other person gets the ring. That's just my two cents. That's how I feel. Unless there was something like abuse or or, or something, yes. you know, more yes. to it. Yeah, I agree with the abuse, uh, whether that be verbal or physical, or if there's some kind of outstanding thing that goes with it. But these people who want to get the, who want to break off engagements, who want to break off engagements and then just keep rings because they say it's a gift, these people are out of their minds. No, they are out of their minds, but that's the way the law works. Because technically, if you give, it, it is considered a gift, no, and the recipient not. of that gift. No, it's not. I thought it was. No, it's a gift with the intention of getting married. So the gift. Uh, okay. Okay. So okay. Tethered. But if you're, but if you're married and you have the ring. Oh, once you're married, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, legally it's over, but I I just feel like whoever goes out on the relationship should give the ring back. I know, I know maybe I'm in the minority, but that's just the way I feel. I mean, that's what it is. You don't want to live up to this marriage? Okay, give the ring back. All right, now I got another question. This is off subject, but it's kind of similar to the subject we're talking about. How well, do feel- I mean, before, no, 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 before you flip it, let me just say this whole thing, if I ever get married again, if ever again it happens, I will propose, but I promise you. Because, see, my first ring that I got, I got her a very expensive ring, a very nice ring. And my ring was cheap because, look, I don't care about jewelry. I went and got me a little cheapo just to put on my finger. Best believe that ain't happening again. Next time, <laughs> next time, <laughs> it's equal value all the way. Your ring gets cut down because I'm paying for my ring too, Okay. So we don't have to debate. Wait, we don't have not, to. Argue. She's not getting you. She's not paying for your ring. I mean, if she can, that's great. If she can't, okay. But either way, it's going to be equal value. So when we decide to split, you got yours and I got mine. And you know what? They're the exact same price. G. So I was going to ask you, how do you feel about male engagement rings? Um, I was never for them until this conversation. Enlighten me (laughs) to the fact of, yes, look, dudes, I know you don't care about jewelry. Dudes, I know she's your queen and you want to make her feel special. But let me give you, let me drop a little grown man knowledge, a little grown man wisdom. Make sure your ring costs just as much as hers. Okay? This is is clearly personal experience talking. Very, very (laughs) sore feelings involved in this. I'm, I'm serious, though. There's no problems. You don't got to worry about it later on. If both rings cost the exact same, hey, we got no argument. We have no issues. You keep yours. I keep mine. Boom. It's done. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, would you walk around with it and get All right, my bad. I didn't hear that. I, th- I think you muted your mic or something. You dropped out. Can't hear you at all. Oh, my mic's dying. Okay, okay. Well, charging batteries up, son. Charge your batteries up. Here's uh, yeah, I, I heard your question. Well, part of your question, I'm gonna let you restate it. What you switch the batteries? But um, would I walk around with a ring? I'm guessing you said cost as much as hers. Uh, I'd put it in a box. I put it in a box and keep it on the shelf and buy me a backup ring to wear a little cheapo like I usually do because I like I said I don't really rock jewelry. Um, but I would have the expensive one in my possession. Call it what you feel. Call it, you know, me being whatever. But look, I done learned through experience. 
things will just go better if they both cost the same. We want to hear what you guys have to think. Brandon's about to get back on the mic, but what do you think? We actually had our cousin. She actually posted this on Facebook, and she asked the question, like, who keeps the ring ring um, in a breakup? It was a good question. I all think right, we've all been nah, – not always been in a situation like that, but uh, uh, plenty of us have been in a situation like that to have to make that decision. So we want to know what you think. Brandon, you're back. All right, so what was the uh, the whole question? The whole question was, would you wear an engagement ring? I would keep an engagement ring. I probably would. No, I would I would wear I would wear it and then when we got married I'd I'd replace I'd keep it on the shelf like I just said and I'd put the uh, uh, and I'd put like a replacement on my finger to show that I was married but I would keep my expensive ring on the shelf from now on. Cuz Lindsey Vaughn just got her uh her fiance an engagement ring cuz she was like he deserves to be treated too. And I'm just like I don't know about that. Like I I'm not like I don't know that I would want one first of all. If she got it for me I'd wear it. But to be truthful, I don't think even if I ever got married again, I don't think I'm ever wearing a ring. I don't wear jewelry, first of all. I don't wear jewelry, not as like some kind of a statement. I just don't. Um, but I don't think I'll ever wear a ring ever again, regardless of whether or not I get married, let alone an engagement ring. No, I feel you. And I know there's people like Red Alarm, oh, he's not wearing his ring. Look, stop it. Nobody rings cares about any- rings. Here's why. Nobody Amen. cares about rings. Preach. Preach. Talk about me being my feelings. All right, hop on the bandwagon. Let's no, go. nobody cares about rings. People, people <laughs> do what they want to do about- anyway. People don't care about statuses. People don't care about relationships. They certainly don't care about no ring. In fact, everybody some- feels like Snoop Dogg, and they say this kind of thing happens all the time. You, you got to get, get yours, yours, yo. I got to get mine, but yo, I got to get mine. Yeah, that's what it is. And so, so I, no, I'm- so I'm not sweating the ring thing. Now, I I think I am a <laughs> traditional romantic when it comes to you know marriage and engagement that kind of thing that's why i would propose with a ring to a woman because i i you know would matter to her and it would matter to me but i wouldn't sweat it if she wore her ring or she didn't because i'm not wearing one gotcha i would wear one um just uh you know usually they like you to wear that and i you know i'd wear one but i don't need an expensive one Uh, i do need an expensive one to keep on the shelf just in case things go bad. Uh, <laughs> very strong on this. I'm very strong, strong on this. Strong feelings over there. Sore <laughs> feelings over there. <laughs> no, not sore feelings. Jay real. and Fina have been through something. He didn't learn from he learned his Real lesson. truth. Real truth. Okay? <laughs> That's what it is. So what about, if? what would you do if you're dating a woman, things are getting serious, you love her, you know she loves you, and one day you're out and she gets down on one knee and proposes to you. What do you do? Um, before I, I would have felt a certain way. I've been like, ah, now look, man. Okay. Like Lindsay Vaughn says, I deserve to be spoiled. Oh my. Okay. Look, the first time I proposed, she ain't even cry. Okay. So I'm done with this fairy tale stuff. If she want to get on down on her knee, if she want to take me out to dinner and pay for my meal and, and get down on her knee, so be it. Look, I don't have too much pride. That's fine. Okay. That works. I want somebody loyal. That's all I need. Somebody who you loves them. You don't have to look like a model for me to adore you. All you got to do is love me and be loyal. Yep. And you got to be down. You got to love yourself some JM Fiend. You got to love yourself some Jeremy Phoenix. That's what I need. <laughs> Third person what over there. Me? Third person you know, over there. Who knows? Uh, on a reel. All right. So that's how the, that's how the RVK feels. How do you guys feel? Who gets the ring if the engagement breaks up? 
How do you feel about a woman proposing to a man? How do you feel about the equal value of the rings? Please let us know. Get at your boys. Leave us an anchor message. Tweet at us. Whatever it may be. Rat me, boys! You want the dopest gear out? You want to look fresh while rocking the Mountaineer brands? The best thing to do is go to bookexchangewv.com. That's where you get the flyest apparel. The Book Exchange is going to hook you up for listening to the RVK. Use code R-A-S-P-Y-V-O-I-C-E, Raspy Voice. Code Raspy Voice when you go to bookexchangewv.com to get the flyest Mountaineer gear and souvenirs. Big shout to Shrinkables. Shrinkables. Supporting the RVK partnership since day one. Hey, this is Brandon from the Raspy Voice Kids. We are now teamed up with SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the place to go and get your tickets for any live event that you want to be a part of, especially if you're a sports fan. Use code RaspyVoice, R-A-S-P-Y-V-O-I-C-E, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Code RaspyVoice at SeatGeek. Download the app. Get to saving now. The Raspy Voice Kids are brought to you by Swill Dog Hard Cider, the finest hard cider in all of the world, made right there in Franklin, West Virginia. They are encouraging you to get Swill. We love our man, Jim Ashley, the quintessential businessman and international world traveler, Jim Ashley. We thank you for being a sponsor and partner with the show. We love having you on. Can't wait till you're here again. It's time to talk West Virginia University basketball. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pitt, joining. Jeremy Phoenix, I'm here as well. Let's get it popping. So West Virginia destroys the Texas Christian University uh, Horned Frogs. I want to call them Wildcats. They got that purple in them. The TCU was 12-3 and coming in, 3-0 and in the Big 12 Conference, and we put the whip into them. What did you think of the game, Jay? You know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I tweeted out early before the game um, that this game kind of worried me because of the fact that they had lost three games by combined 12 points. Chris Hall started talking this nonsense that um, you need hieroglyphics to understand when he's talking about the first quadrant. They have so many first quadrant wins against second quadrant wins, whatever. He was just trying to get the fact that we were going to handle this easily. And the truth be told is we did. I was a little surprised. Usually Jamie Dixon's squads – even this year, they have been in every game. And the games that they didn't win, it was a fight. And we are used to having fights with Jamie Dixon coach squads. Oh, uh, so with I every pers- squad. With every squad. So I personally felt like this was going to be a fight. And the truth is, from beginning to end, from the beginning to the end, when you talk about complete games, when you talk about playing with passion, aggression, focus, being locked in and feeling confident, West Virginia did that not in the first quarter, not in the first half, but also the second half, the entire game. That's what I was so impressed with, is that we stayed focused and we stayed on the accelerator, accelerator and uh, we didn't get fatigued mentally. That's what I'm trying to say. Mentally, we didn't get fatigued. We stayed on our game for the entire game. It was beautiful. What I loved is that we made shots. Yep. Shot making is the difference. Shot making was the difference against Ohio State. Not making shots was the difference against Kansas. We made shots. That's why it was a blowout and not a close rock fight like it could have been. 
And it was multiple people making shots. Brandon Knapper making shots. Sean McNeil making shots. Taz Sherman even got a three. Miles McBride with his mid-range. That's the difference in this game. And that is what's going to be the difference for this team going forward. This team defensively is good enough to make the Sweet 16 on defensive merit alone. Because we turn you over. We don't allow easy shots. Your field goal percentage will be trash when you play us. And we're going to out-rebound you. But if we can make shots, that propels us to the next level. That's the biggest difference. And that's what I saw last night. Um, that's what I saw, um, yeah, last night, because last night was Tuesday night. <laughs> you guys are hearing this on Thursday, but that was and Tuesday that, night. It, and, and what I saw was confidence. What I like seeing, as I said this last week, you look at people like Braden Napper, who comes in off the bench. He finally has the confidence after three years in the program where he's not looking, what should I do? Oh, this is the pass I should make. He's just playing ball. He's being aggressive. When you have that kind of point output uh, being put up by a guard like Napper, that allows Huggins to do so much more. When McBride is playing the way he is with his confidence, that allows Huggins to do so much more. Um, When you have Harler firing and being confident, what I see is a confident bunch Now, when I talk about doing so much more, what I'm specifically talking about, it comes down to the McCabe situation. People talk about why is McBride starting and why is McCabe starting? Why why do you feel, Brandon, or or do you want me to just get into my feelings? My personal opinion is that Bob Huggins wants to maintain Jordan McCabe's uh, confidence. He doesn't want to take take away anything from his confidence. That's my opinion. That's true. Uh, as a pause real quick, uh, you did hit record, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. I agree with you, though. I agree with you with with, with uh, Bob Huggins uh, trying to keep McCabe's confidence up. But also the thing I see is when you know you have scores coming off the bench, um, one main thing that – I almost said Holgerson. What in the world? What Huggins, Huggins is trying to do is we try to establish that inside presence immediately. Get it down in the post. Who's the best person to run the offense and throw it down in the post? It's the not McBride. Person, the, best, the best post-entry passer on our team is Gabe Osaboyan. Okay, great. But also, I think McCabe runs the offense well enough. Get it down inside. Don't waste McBride's energy while we're trying to beat him up on the inside. After we've established that after five minutes, four or five minutes, because if you watch, they go to the block, we feed the block. There's no point of putting McBride in if that's all we're doing is feeding into the block. See, I disagree totally. You... Here's why I disagree. Because the block opens way up when you've got shot makers on the floor. And right now, Jordan McCabe is not a shot maker. That's right. They're not trying to make shots in the first five minutes. No, They're trying to Jeremy, pound it if inside. you don't have to respect it, then you can double team Later, in the post. No, no, no. Later on, you get into those X's and O's. To begin the game, watch the first five minutes of every game. Every game, First five minutes of every game, they, they throw it down low and let them go to work. They pretty much say, don't even think about passing. Go up, get fouled, or make the bucket. After those first four minutes, then you pull McCabe out and you put that spacer in there. Now you have to respect it. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't mind letting McCabe run the show for the first four or five minutes of the game while all we're doing is dumping it in the middle. Then let McBride come off and give you some points when you start substituting one of the two big men. Then later on, you bring Napper in, who's also starting to be instant offense. Not, you know, at least 10 points, driving it to the cup. That Those, those are my feelings. I My opinion is I think McBride's going to figure it out and get his touch back. 
So I'm not worried about it from that standpoint. That's why McCabe? I don't worry about it. McCabe? I think you play the best player, and McBride is a better player than McCabe right now. Um, but if you're looking long-term, I can see the wisdom in letting McCabe start, personally. Also, there's a such thing as a, a six-man, and a six-man is important because – in basketball, you have your starting five, and then you bring one person off the bench to give that spark that the team may need. I think if you have enough offense on the field or on the court, if you have Harler out there and you have um, the two big men out there, Harler because he can hit threes and give you a little bit of spacing, then it's a great thing to bring that six-man Mc, uh, McBride off the bench, and he's excelling. And he's playing against people who are maybe a little bit more tired. Well, he um, said – he said what he likes about it is he gets a chance to watch the other team, see what they do well, see what they don't do well, and then attack when he comes off the bench. So so McBride said he likes coming off the bench. So as long as he likes coming off the bench, then you're in a good situation. You're not in a situation where you've got a player sulking because he thinks he's the better player and he should be playing. Yeah, it, it feels very much like a team. The other thing I think is funny is that this doesn't even need to be mentioned, but I think it's the truth. Every game I watch, it's the truth. Shibway has an offensive foul in the first five minutes of every single game, <laughs> every single game that we play. Yes, at least one, at least one offensive foul in the first five minutes. I just noticed that. I think it's funny. He's a great player. I'm just saying that. It's a little f- funny uh, tidbit. It's the kind of thing that he'll figure out as time goes on. He'll get more finesse. Right now, he can be like a bull in a china shop. But the things that we're talking about, we're talking about Osa Boy and Osa Boy and being able to play big because he may not be as tall, but he's very strong. So he can guard bigger guys. Logan Rout coming and giving us good minutes. Sheboy, Culliver, um, uh, Haley, uh, uh, Emmett Matthews. When we attack the glass, the thing that I noticed too is it's one thing to play with our intensity, but our athleticism, our defense, our strength, our depth, we wear you down. We have such a rotation, but not just a rotation, an intense rotation. These guys come in hungry. These guys come off the bench feeling like they should be starters, or maybe they don't feel like that, but they know they could be starters. We come at you, I'm not saying in waves, it's just constant and ongoing. So with TCU, you get in the second half, and they're just wore out. They're just wore out because West Virginia has so much depth, and they're playing the right way. Yeah, I totally agree. I love watching it. And I, my expectations for this team continue to, to rise. Um, but another, thing I note, another thing I noticed that I really like is I feel like our bigs are starting to become rim protectors. I, I yes. didn't feel like that at the very yes. beginning of the year. They are starting to become rim protectors. Maybe not at the SAGS level, but enough that, that three or four or five shots are being blocked a game where you go in there, you know it's not going to a free, easy bucket to the rim. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not very many players in the history of NCAA basketball as good as Sags was at blocking shots. So it's not really a fair comparison, but I'm with you that um, Oscar Shibwe and Culver are doing a much better job protecting the rim this year, and I love it. And as the season goes yeah. on, they get they get better and better with their timing. 100%. Another thing I was interested in uh, with this TCU game, and not just in the TCU game, in the game in general, was I wanted to see how West Virginia would react when a team goes zone, big-time zone. Because when they get, go zone... You've got to hit shots. You've got to hit shots. And I feel like that's what we did. I also felt like we moved the ball pretty well. And that's where McNeil is going to be so huge. He missed his first couple, then he hit one. 
Um, we have to have those shooters, those people like Harler, who can bust people out of that zone. And that's the reason why I like seeing it from TCU is because we're going to see it. There are going to be teams that say, okay, Osaboyan's on the court, uh, Culver, Sheepway on the court. At the same time, we're going zone. Can they hit shots? Uh, Sheepway hit a nice jump shot. Nice jump shot. And if he develops that, man, we're going to be dangerous. But that's a big thing. I wanted to see how does West Virginia react to a zone when people start doing it. I believe they were playing 3-2, and and we handled it well. Yeah, we did. We handled everything well last night. So it's a good win, but you got to put it in the books. Like you said, uh, throw it in the bag, beat it with a stick, move on. (laughs) And throw it in the (laughs) highway. Throw it on the highway because that game's over. It's It's time for the next one. Um, one nice thing that I will say, statistically, um, these advanced metrics are out. and Everybody's got their own. This one's from Haslam Metrics. West Virginia is now rated number one in the country in their record quality, in Haslam Metrics record quality metric, and number two in the nation in schedule strength. The Mountaineers are also tops in defensive efficiency and adjusted defensive three-point percentage. We only give up 23.4% in adjusted defensive three-point percentage. When you're playing defense like that, I don't care who you're playing. You have a chance. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Number one in RPI, number nine in net ranking. Now, of course, RPI is not used by the NCAA anymore, but I'll take a number nine ranking at this juncture in the season. Sports Social Podcast Network.